So we're continuing our series in Romans, series called Held Together by Mercy. Um, it's based on the idea that in Romans 1 through 11, God lays out for us what has been done on our behalf in Christ. That when we were enemies of God, rather than just let us go, rather than just judging us, he said, I'm going to give you my son, the life of my son, and then I'm going to give you my spirit to live out what I'm calling you to. And then chapter 12 begins, therefore, by the mercies of God. Since he did that, this is now what I'm calling you to. And starting in chapter 12 and going all the way to the end, it's all about relationships. What God calls us to in a relationship to one another is the body of Christ, to those outside the body of Christ. Uh, Trey talked about genuine love. What God calls us to in our relationships and what genuine love looks like in those relationships. Today, the government. What is our relationship to the government? Uh, very appropriate for the July 4th weekend. Uh, and they not planned that way. It just, as we laid this series out, it fell on July 4th. Call it divine providence. Today, we talk about our relationship to the government. Would you pray with me? Gracious Father, we all bring our own baggage as we think about the government. Some positive, some negative, some patriarchic, patriotic, all kinds of things that we bring with us, Lord. My prayer this morning is that no matter what our background is, our grievances, our joys, that first and foremost, we would see what you call us to. And that we would adjust our attitudes, our lives, our responses to the government based upon your word. So Lord, teach us this morning and help us be transformed more into the image of Christ. In his name we ask it. Amen. So before we get started, I want to share why it can be difficult at times to maybe want to follow the government. Here are some laws. In Ohio, it is illegal to get a fish drunk. It's also illegal to catch mice without a hunting license. In Mexico, idiots may not vote. In New York, New Yorkers cannot dissolve a marriage for irreconcilable differences unless they both agree to it. Just let that sink in for a minute. In Utah, it is illegal to detonate a nuclear weapon. Now, here's some on driving. Okay? In Oklahoma, it is against the law to read a comic book while operating a motor vehicle. While in Oregon, drivers must yield to pedestrians that are standing on the sidewalk. I don't know about anywhere else. In Tennessee, driving is not to be done while asleep. It's a law. All right, um, forgive me for this one. In Tennessee, it's illegal for a woman to drive a car 
unless there is a man either running or walking in front of it, waving a red flag to warn approaching motorists. <laughs> that is an actual law. Um, there, there's, there's reasons sometimes that it's a challenge to maybe want to do what the government tells us to do. Um, none of those are really the reasons why, because we don't pay attention to laws that have been on the books for a really, really long time and just never got taken off. But what is our response? I mean, I doubt there's anybody in this room that likes to pay taxes. I bet there's a whole bunch of laws of the road that you don't think are that legitimate. That coming to a full and complete stop at the stop sign isn't really necessary. Just waste time. There's all kinds of laws out there. There's ways we view the government. God calls us to something. And I want to challenge you this morning, even as I'm challenging myself, to hear the words of Scripture and to take them seriously. So, open your Bible, if you would, to Romans chapter 13. It is quite likely that at least something I say this morning you won't like. Romans chapter 13. Starting in verse 1, here is the command, and this sets the rest of this paragraph up. Let every person be subject to the governing authorities. That is the command that sets the rest. Before he gives anything else in this passage, he gives a topic sentence, if you remember those from grammar. Every person, if you're a person and you're part of every, this applies to you. Every person is to be subject to the governing authorities. Now, you have a number of governing authorities in your life. Paul here is speaking primarily of the emperor down, from the emperor down to the governors and everybody in between. But that governing structure, he says, you're to be subject to it. And to describe this word subject, I want you to see what Paul has in mind with the term. Right, because it is a, it's a bigger term than obey. Right, it carries that idea to it, but there's something more to it. Would you bring that up, Tom? Um, I'm bringing up something to stand my prop on so you can all see it. When Paul says subject, thank you, um, he is speaking about a particular kind of order that you are to take your place within the ordered structure and act in the way that particular, wherever you are in the structure, is supposed to act. Right? So what it looks like is this. Right? We've got these colored cups up here that all neatly fit together. Um, they also neatly stack as long as you stack them in the correct order. But the moment you start to stack one in a different order, then it kind of does this, and then you kind of get this, and then it will just, now it covers that one up, and then this one covers, and all of a sudden it messes up the entire structure. Right? They are set up to be stacked in a certain way. And when you do stack them in the right way, this is what happens. You get this very nice, tall tower that you really cannot have unless you stack them the way they were meant to be stacked. This is what Paul's referring to. 
There's a governmental structure, and there's something that rests on that, and there's something that rests on that, and then somewhere along the line, you rest as a citizen. And when the citizen gets out of whack and starts trying to take over somewhere down here, it messes up the entire system, and things fall apart, and you can't stack it the way it was meant to be stacked. Paul's idea of government in this passage is there's a structure, an order that God has set up. And he says, you are to put yourself in the right place. Wherever that strata is, wherever that placement is supposed to be, that's where you are meant to be. And to respond accordingly. Don't take the power of the thing underneath you or the thing that's above you. Take your place. Right? That would mean that the government is meant to run the civic part of our world. It's meant to give us the laws. And, and when the laws are there, we're supposed to follow, and that's our role. Right? Our role is to say, okay, well, I'm not supposed to do this because that's the law. Okay, I'm not going to do that because the authority structure, and I'm here and it's here, has said don't do that. So I'm falling into place, falling into my order, my structure. That's what he means by being subject to the governing authorities. Why? Why do you say this? I mean, especially in America, there's got to be some people that are asking the question. I mean, we're very much a country of rights, of what we get. Of how you mess me up, so I'm coming after you. I mean, it's, I mean, it's not fair. These are my rights. And especially that corrupt political system coming out of Washington, D.C. It's awful and horrible. And why should we have to follow that? The rest of this passage, almost, is the why. He didn't spend much time on the what. Be subject to the governing authorities. Here's why. Right, and he gives a whole bunch of reasons why. I'm going to go ahead and clean this up so it's not just sitting up here the entire time. As I'm trying to get the rest of the sermon if I can do it correctly. Oh, I messed it up. See, that's what happens when you mess it up. They don't stack. All right. Tom, would you mind pulling that back? Thank you. Uh, all right. Three reasons why we are supposed to do this. Number one, back in your text, for there is no authority except from God and those that exist have been instituted by God. There is no authority except by God. Right? Philosophically, just think about this for a moment. God is the only sovereign power in the universe, truly sovereign. He is the only ultimate force that cannot be stopped. If there is any other power in the universe, it can only exist because he instituted or allows it. Because he is the ultimate power. All power has origin in God. And in this case, it's not just power, but that word authority carries the whole system, even the systems. Like, think back to Genesis, when everything is dark and has no form. The only reason there is order in the universe is because God put it there. All of Genesis 1 is set up that way. That there is no form and there's nothing filling it. And Genesis 1 gives it form and structure and fills it up. The governmental systems even have their origin going back to God. Paul says the first reason that you are to subject yourself to this particular system is because all power, all these governmental systems, they all have a connection to God. They all go back to him in some way. Do you remember Jesus standing before Pilate? And Pilate says, you're not going to answer me? Don't you know I have the authority to give you life or not? And Jesus says, you'd have no authority if it wasn't given to you from above. That's Pilate. I mean, he could do whatever he wants to in that case. No, Jesus says, the only authority you have is because you got it from above. That is a Roman non-believer that has that authority. 
because all authority and all systems have their origin in God. Right? Number two, keep going. Therefore, whoever resists the authorities resists what God has appointed, and those who resist will incur judgment. Number two, judgment. Because God is meeting out judgment on those who resist the authorities that he has put in place. You will receive the judgment of God for resisting the authorities. We see this throughout scripture, both starting with Israel, such as in Samuel, where Israel is being used by God to bring judgment on the Amalekites. But then you see the reverse, where Assyria is bringing judgment on Israel where Babylon is bringing judgment on Israel, where Rome is bringing judgment on Israel. But then you see God use somebody like Cyrus, a Persian, to go take over the Babylonians and release his people. Because God is the one who is behind these things, and it's his judgment. And there's a very practical part to this. Keep reading. For rulers are not a terror to good conduct, but to bad. Would you have no fear of the one who is in authority? That'd be nice. Can I tell you the place I used to have the most fear? Driving. Every time I went by a cop, my heart just jumped a little bit. You know why? I never drove the speed limit. And so like anytime they're, go, oh, did they catch me? Did I slow down enough? Uh, and, and freaking out. Okay, well, after my second speeding ticket and my second driving school, I don't speed anymore. And here's how. I use cruise control all the time. Even in 45-mile-an-hour zones, I use speed control, cruise control, because it keeps me at 45. Did you know that, that cruise control doesn't work at 20 miles an hour? <laughs> I've tried it. You hit the school zone, I've tried cruise control. It won't, even, it won't log in. It won't start. It doesn't work, so I have to try and keep it at 20 about my own foot. It's hard to do. But I don't have any fear anymore. Like, I drive by a police officer, and I'm doing this thing. I don't have any fear. That's what I'm talking about. You want to not have fear? Just don't know what you're supposed to do. And you won't have fear. Keep going. But do what is good, and he receives approval, for he is God's servant for your good. Right? And if you ever doubt that God is using the authorities, just go look at Isaiah 45, because it's very specific with Cyrus. God is calling out Cyrus using this language. He's my servant. Cyrus is a Persian leader that has no connection to Yahweh. But that's his servant to do what he wants. And that's Paul's wording here. But if you do wrong, be afraid, for he does not bear the sword in vain. For he is the servant of God, an avenger who carries out God's wrath on the wrongdoer. By the way, last week, we, took, we talked about how we're supposed to respond to being persecuted, to being mistreated. And the response when we are mistreated is to bless the people that are mistreating us and to trust them to God to give them over to God's wrath. All the same language from that passage is in this passage. In that passage, it says, don't give evil for evil. Here it says, don't do evil, same word. There it says, give them to the wrath of God. Here it is, carries out God's wrath. Part of last week's, the reason you trust it and the way that God works his wrath out is actually lawfully. Part of the way, and there's a good example, we have a lawyer in our midst right now. Right? that particular lawyer may stand up for somebody else and end up getting the help that that person needs. God uses that person and the law in order to stop the mistreatment, potentially bring the wrath of God down on that person, 
But it's not you doing it. You're praying for that person and trusting God to take care of all the mess. That's part of what this passage is. It's where the connection is in Paul's mind. This isn't just a random thing. Keep going. Verse 5, therefore one must be in subjection not only to avoid God's wrath, but also for the sake of conscience. So, two reasons, and then I'll get to the third one. Why should we be in subjection to the authorities? Number one, the authorities come from God. Number two, God deals with wrath through the authorities. And number three, for the sake of conscience. There is a moral aspect to what we do with the law. And this is very, very significant, because I don't think a lot of people think in this way. Right? Obeying the authorities is not like the rules of a game. Right? In football, if I go off sides, there's a penalty. But it's not moral. I broke the rule of a game. If I double dribble in basketball, yeah, I broke a rule, but there's nothing moral in that. However, when you speed, that is a moral offense. You're not just breaking the laws of our country, our state. No, you are resisting God because God has instituted these things. This is where Paul gets with for conscience sake. It's a moral thing. When you decide not to pay your taxes, to cheat on your taxes, that is a moral offense. It's not just breaking a law. It's a moral offense because God has instituted the authorities. Right? Think of it like this. Um, when I was younger, a friend and I broke this little figurine that his mom had. It was a little glass figurine of a hummingbird. And she had told us to stay out of this room where she had some collections of things and we didn't listen. And we came in and we were goofing around and we broke this thing and it fell to the ground. I mean, it broke into a number of pieces. It wasn't like we could just put a little piece back on. It broke into a number of pieces. And we're waiting for her to come home and we are thinking through all the ways we can get out of this. You know, the cat did it, except they don't have a cat. Um, we're in California. It was an earthquake. On this house only, no other earthquakes. It's right here, and it mocked it over. We didn't figure that would work either. We could not come up with an excuse. And when she got home, we were just waiting for the escalating voice, for the yelling and the screaming and the grounding and everything else. And she comes in, and she sees it, and she starts crying. We were not ready for that. <laughs> I mean, most men aren't ready for women to cry. But this, it was like... She picks up the pieces and just walks into the other room without saying anything. My friend and I are just going, oh man, <laughs> what have we done? What is going on? And later on, she told us, this was the last thing that her sister had made for her before she died. This was not just breaking a rule for her. There was something so much deeper involved. For us, it was, yeah, 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 you want us not to be in, oh, we broke one, you got like 100 more. I mean, what's the big deal? It was much deeper than just breaking something. Right? When we break the laws of the land, there is a moral side to it. It's not my words, it's his. Because God instituted the government. God is the one who, it's his wrath when we break it. So there's a moral dimension to our law of bodiness. It's not really a word, but it sounded right at the time. Right? Three reasons why. God institutes power and systems. 
God judges. And it's a moral element. It's a moral imperative because God is behind it. Right? So, he then gives a specific application to this. Look down at verse 6. For because of this, you also pay taxes. For the authorities are ministers of God. Just let that sink in. Uh, and don't give me something about, well, I know those people in D.C. They're not ministers of God. They're, they're horrible, awful people. And these are the Romans he's talking about. They were not the nicest people. And tax collectors, they were really not the nicest people. Right? They could actually legally come and take more money from you than what you owed for their living. And yet Paul is calling them ministers of God, which makes me feel better about myself. You know, I screw up, but they can be ministers. Maybe I can too. Attending this very thing, and then he opens it up. Okay, he's about to broaden this. He's going to take this idea, and he's going to open it up. You ready for this? Pay to all what is owed to them. Taxes to whom taxes are owed, revenue to whom revenue is owed, respect to whom respect is owed, honor to whom honor is owed. All right, let's make this bigger, he says. I've given you the government, and that's significant. Right? That relates back to this whole thing where you're not supposed to go after your own persecutors, but trust God. Now we're going to talk a little bigger about the government itself. Here's your place in the system. But it's not just owing them what they're owed. And it's his transition into the next section. You need to pay to everybody what is owed because that system, that structure, it's not just with the government. There's a certain system you have with your boss at work. There's a system you have in your relationship as husband and wife. There's a system you have in your relationship with your kids. And Paul says, I want you to pay to everybody what is owed. You have a boss who has hired you and is paying you and is supposed to be over you, respect that boss or quit. Because that's the moral Christian thing to do. Give respect. Husband and wife, Ephesians 5, where you have wives submit to your husbands, husbands love your wives, the word submit is not in that passage in the verb. It's the verse before it. And the verse before it says, be subject to one another. Then it says, now you guys treat each other a certain way. Right? You are supposed to treat one another a certain way. And Paul says, what you owe them, you need to treat them. Right? Wives, you treat your husbands a certain way. Husbands, you treat your wives a certain way. Treat your kids a certain way. Right? It's all these relationships. Here's Paul's thing. You look at where you fit. Stop worrying about your own rights. Think about that song, Lay Me Down. Stop worrying about your rights and start looking to what God has for you and the way in which you can serve the people around you, including the government. That's Paul's call to us. And it will take us being unselfish. You cannot do this and look out for yourself at the same time. Because ultimately, there's going to come this heading. At some point, we're going to butt heads. And you're either going to follow what God wants you to do, or you're going to follow yourself, one or the other. You follow yourself, most of us already know the outcome. It's not going to bring the fulfillment, the happiness, the joy, everything else that we want, because we're not created to do anything other than what God 
has created us for. And when we follow him, no matter how hard it is, ultimately, that's where you find the greatest fulfillment, the greatest joy, even when life isn't great. Because you're falling into line, here's the strata, you're falling into line with where God has you. I want to answer two questions before we end. I want to take all this and get to two very legitimate questions. Number one, what about bad governments? I mean, honestly, are you telling me that God established Hitler? I mean, that, that, that's a, a reasonable question, right? As we look across, I mean, ISIS, um, are you trying to tell me that these authority and these structures, that God is behind all of this? Let me answer the question in this way. Sometime when you've got a little free time, go read the book of Habakkuk. It's only three chapters long. In Habakkuk chapter one, this is what the prophet is doing. God, your people are so sinful and messed up, why are you not doing something about it? You need to bring judgment on your people because they are disobeying your rules, your covenant, and God comes back and answers, says, I'm going to. In fact, I'm about to. I'm going to bring the Chaldeans to judge your people. And Habakkuk comes back and goes, you can't do that. They're worse than we are. I mean, they are terrible people. And God even describes them in language that is terrible. These are awful people. How in the world are you going to use them to judge us? And God comes back and says, I'm going to do whatever I want to do. I'm going to judge them too. But I'm going to use them right now to judge you. And then I'm going to judge them. Here's what I will tell you. Every single authority structure has some connection to God. He's either created it, he is allowing it, and he can use it. It doesn't mean it's not going to get judged. It doesn't mean that it's perfect. All right, think of it like this. Here's a, a fun little picture to put in your mind of governments. I was over at La Madeline, and it was about 10.30 in the morning, and there wasn't a whole lot of people. And if you've ever been to La Madeline over on 121, it's huge. There's like four rooms filled with places to sit. And I'm sitting over there. It's very quiet. And I'm so focused on what I'm doing that I don't notice that somebody walks in, and they go, can I move your backpack? Sure, I guess. Um, the reason they need to move it is because there's this big table behind me. Like you couldn't even get to it without moving my stuff out of the way. Now remember, there's four open rooms, right? But they wanted this table behind me. And it was two adults and 10 kids. Thinking, why do you have to sit right here? But as they're sitting there and they're doing their stuff and the kids are kind of having fun and they're playing around and doing stuff and... Well, at one point, one of the adults says to one of the slightly older kids, and I would guess based on my daughter's age, maybe nine, something like that, said, would you go grab some bread? Because if you go to La Madeline, they, you can get free bread and like jellies and things. Would you go get some bread and bring it back while we're waiting for our food? So this kid goes, gets a plate, brings it back, sets the plate on the table, and then I hear, don't do that! And I kind of look back, and one of the kids has thrown bread at another kid. 
And then another kid starts throwing, and then you hear, stop that! And it's coming in the hand. Same kid who got the bread, the mom says, you do not get any bread now. You shouldn't be doing that. You're not, don't be throwing and starting that things with all, your, all these kids around you. The same kid that the mom used to bring to the table the bread, once that kid messed up, became the object of the judgment of the mom and didn't, didn't get any of the very bread he actually brought to the table. That's the way God uses governments, even bad ones. Now, don't ask me specifically, what's God doing with ISIS? I don't know. Will they be judged? Yes, they will be judged. But that doesn't mean that God can't use them in some way. If God can use the Chaldeans and the Persians and the Romans and the Babylonians and the Assyrians and us, he can use anybody. But what about bad decisions? You got bad governments. What about just bad decisions? What about bad laws? What do we do with those? Are we supposed to just blindly follow no matter what is said? All right, think this way with me. This is July 4th. July 3rd, we were at Kaboom Town, watching the fireworks, listening to patriotic music. Lots of it. Because if you're listening to Jack FM while it's going on, I mean, it's just patriotic song after patriotic song. Um, Except for the very last one, and I cannot find this song, and I, want to, I went to Jack FM to try and find what it was, and they wouldn't show it on there, but I swear this is what it was saying, and it was the finale of Kaboom Town. The chorus was, he's risen, lives forever. I swear that's what it was saying over and over again. And I mean, it was, it was beautiful. These things are going off in the sky for the finale, and you're hearing, he's risen, lives forever. And I'm like, this can't be happening. Now, it is Texas. It might be happening. <laughs> But I still can't find the song. I have no idea what this was. But we're watching this thing, and I can tell you inside, as I'm listening to the patriotic music, I am very proud to be American. I do love this country. It is a great place to live. Do we have problems in our government? Yes. Do we still have a great government? Yes. Would you like some of the alternatives? Just go throughout the world. Not to say that it's perfect. It's not. Not to say the bad decisions aren't made. They are. But this is a great country and a good government that still makes bad decisions sometimes. What do you do when they make bad decisions? I'm going to give you two things. One is biblical. Acts chapter 5. When the Sanhedrin tells the apostles... You cannot preach the gospel. The apostles preach the gospel anyway. And they very specifically say, we cannot obey man, we must obey God. When the decision the government makes is a moral decision, if the government comes along and says, you can no longer pray, you need to pray anyway. When the government goes directly against God, you follow God, not the government. Now, don't use that excuse to not fully stop at stop signs, okay? That's not a moral thing. God is not against that. I promise. But there could be moral things that God would be against, right? But number two, the way in which they respond is the way that you need to respond. It's the way I need to respond. Here's what they don't do. 
they don't stand up and start calling the Sanhedrin a bunch of bad names and be total jerks and, and put up their fists and start fighting them. and just They don't do that. They go to jail. They accept the consequences of following God instead of the government. You must be willing to do that. You must be willing to accept the consequences in a civic way that still recognizes the structure, in a way that still honors God, willing to accept the consequences. Now, all of this, and I'm going to say very little about it, there was a Supreme Court decision that was made dealing with same-sex marriage. And there can't be too many people in this room that haven't at least had this cross their mind as we're up here talking about the government and bad decisions and things like that and whether, I don't know where you stand. I'm going to tell you where ACNA stands, which is our province. ACNA has come out with a letter and it says on one side, ACNA will not do same-sex marriages. Biblically, they cannot justify it. What they will say is that in Genesis, God created man and woman to be in holy matrimony together. That was his design. On the other side, they will say, we need compassion for those who desire this. We cannot reject them or hate them. We cannot judge them. We cannot tell them you're not welcome in our churches. And I will stand, you can go back and you can listen to, I think two weeks ago, for those of you that have any Christ church background, Father David did a whole sermon on this. And one of the things he says at the beginning, we should come from a place of grace and compassion that recognizes for everyone in here who has a heterosexual marriage, the draw and the power, the desire to be in that kind of relationship. Right, just for a moment, I want you to think about being celibate for the rest of your life and how hard that would be. Not having your partner, not being able to express that kind of love or to be loved in that way. Right, that's what they want. We need to be able to recognize what it means to them and to have compassion on that. And at the same time, being willing to say, as a believer in Christ, I cannot in good conscience do the wedding itself. I can't perform that. Right? And that's where ACNA stands. It's where we stand as a church. Um, it's not a primary issue. I don't think it's going to be now. We'll see later on. Remember that whole, you might have to go to jail or something else? I mean, maybe it'll be 10 years from now, and they'll say that all pastors have to do these weddings, and we will have to say we can't. And I don't know what that means. You know, do we lose our non-tax status? Do we, do we have to go to jail? I, we'll come to that when it gets there. But here's what you need to know. Christians in the beginning were on the margins of society. They are being pushed to the margins of society now. We are no longer the focal point. We no longer have this arena where people just want to hear what we have to say. In fact, it's the opposite most of the time. They don't want to hear what we have to say. But we have an opportunity because here's the thing I want to say about those that I pay attention to and read and follow and everything else. The response to this Supreme Court decision has been civil and compassionate and thoughtful. Not by everybody. 
There are plenty of people out there that are like up in arms, just we're gonna fight this now, dare you, no, no, no. But there are also people that are giving a response that is different from what our culture expects from the church. That's the side I wanna be on. We don't need to be jerks. We don't need to be thoughtless and heartless. We need to be people who are compassionate, grace-filled, and who also understand what Scripture teaches and hold to it in that way. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for your sovereignty. May we trust it always. May we in compassion and grace and mercy follow after you wholeheartedly, loving people like Jesus did. Jesus loved the adulterer and the prostitute and the tax collector. He ate with them. He dined with them. He even stuck up for them. Lord, may we be those kinds of people who never compromise you and our beliefs in you, but who follow the Lord Jesus Christ in loving those who need you. We ask this in Christ's holy name. Amen.